the very first episode of Self Made May and also our very first interview ever. And on this episode, we are interviewing Hannah Murphy. And we're so excited because Hannah Murphy is a productivity strategist for entrepreneurs who want to transition from a profit-focused schedule without unnecessary task switching, long nights, and never-ending to-do lists. She is super passionate about helping people love their life and their business. And we're really excited to share not only what she does as her regular business, but what she did that's so special and just so happened to fall during COVID-19. Welcome to the Dreampreneur Podcast, a space for goal guidance, tangible strategies, and positive insight. Are you lost in a mindset that keeps you from achieving your dreams? Do you wish that you knew the steps that others have taken? What if the thing that you're most passionate about came with a paycheck? We're your hosts. I'm Alexis May. And I'm Katie Brown. Tune in weekly because we're getting real about the lessons we've learned through opening our salons and turning what started out as a side hustle into a community, a brand, a lifestyle, and so much more. We're dreampreneurs. We're here to share with you the good, the imperfect, and the ugly behind the hustle. Because it's not about the end goal. It's about the steps that you take along the journey that determines the outcome. If you're ready to work hard and get real with your personal story, pull up a chair, grab some boba, and let's start working on your dreams. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you so much for being our very first guest on the show. We are so excited to chat with you right now. Yay. Thanks so much for having me. I Okay, first of all, I was emailing Hannah and I said, wait a second, are you in Australia? And you guys, she lives in Australia. So if the accent doesn't give away her origin, she's in Australia right now and we're in California. I think this is so cool in the way that the internet connects us together. Yeah, it's awesome. You guys know Alexis, she's obsessed with Australia. And anybody from Australia with an Australian accent. So we're totally fangirling over here, Hannah. Oh my gosh. I think it's so funny because I think the Australian accent sounds not that great. I just want an American one. So I think we just need to swap accents and we're good. (laughs) As long as your accent comes with Chris Hemsworth, I'm down. (laughs) I love it. All right, so we're going to get into the interview with Hannah. We are so excited. You guys, this is our first interview, and I'm going to share this real fast because Hannah just totally saved our butts because whatever we were using prior was not working for doing our first interview, and now we just hopped over to Zencaster, which is what Hannah uses, and totally just saved this interview, so we're super excited. So I wanted to say thank you so much, Hannah, for helping us out with us because whenever you start something new, it can be scary, and we're just trying to all help each other out. Mm-hmm. Love it. That's what community is for. Okay. So we are going to get started by asking you um, a f- couple funny little questions just to get to know you. And um, these actually aren't questions that we've like told you about or anything like that. So they're completely raw coming from Hannah and how amazing she is. So one of the first questions we just have to ask you, Hannah, is how old are you? I just turned 22 like about a week ago. So yeah, 22. And I need to remember to keep saying that whenever you have a birthday. So yeah, it's fun. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Happy birthday. That's amazing. (laughs) You are so young and absolutely crushing it. And I'm like so impressed by that. That's so amazing. I know. I, I sat there and I was going through your Instagram and I was like, wait a second. 
how old is this girl? She's doing so much right now. And I think it's really cool. And it really shows a testament to you. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how much you know. It just matters on going after what you're wanting to do. So, mm. I mean, I, I love that. And I love what you're doing. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we're having you on here because we're just so impressed. And I was stalking your Instagram, okay? Because, of course, we have to stalk each other. And I saw that you're a Downton Abbey fan. So I have to know because I'm a Downton Abbey fan myself. Yeah. So who is your favorite character on Downton Abbey? Oh, gosh. I don't even know how to decide. I feel like um, I watch it every single Sunday, well, before COVID-19. But with my grandparents, mm-hmm. I go over there. And I think we've rewatched it like five times. <laughs> um Oh man, I don't even know. I love the grandma. I just think she has so much like wit about her. I just love it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. She's so hilarious. My favorite is Sybil. I love, love Sybil. But oh my gosh, the grandma is like, you just sit there and watch her and you're like, you go grandma. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Okay. So Katie is going to start us out with our interview questions. So Katie, take it away. All right. So getting started, we really just want to know Honestly, because there's a lot of us that don't know, what is it that you do as a virtual assistant? Yeah. So I guess a virtual assistant, like in general, essentially is just someone that helps you out with your tasks. So there's lots of different types of virtual assistants, like there's admin ones and, you know, different niches, I guess you could call it. Um, Personally, for me, I'm a blog and Pinterest manager. So I work one-on-one with clients Um, helping them month to month schedule out their blogs and show up on Pinterest. And then I also am a productivity strategist and helping people essentially to just love their business, but do it smart. Um, And so that they have time and they're not constantly saying no to the things that need their yes. I love that because a lot of people don't know how to hire out too as Mm. well. I think that's one of the things that I've been struggling recently and some of the things that I've been learning with my business is like, okay, you got to look at your business and see, is this something someone else can be doing? And Mm. I had no idea that there was so many different types of assistants. So I totally just learned something. How did you find yourself in this, like this position that you're doing with being a virtual assistant in that specific way? Yeah, I um so I never thought I'd be a business owner, never even crossed my mind, had no idea about the industry. Um and then I was in my first year of uni, what we I like college, I think. Um you guys call it. Yes. And so I was studying but wanted like a, you know, just side time job during uni. And I for somehow came across someone on Instagram and they just posted, hey, I'm looking for a virtual assistant. Um, it was just for like a short term thing. And I reached out to her and I was like, hey, I'm super interested in this. I've never done it before. But if you're willing to take me on, I'd be happy to learn. Um And I was so grateful. I think in business, like it's all about bridges. Like I don't believe in self-made. I think like all the place I'm at now is because of people helping me get there. And so that was kind of what started me into it. And then I just took so much, so many courses and looked at all the different types of virtual assistant and how I can help people, where my strengths are and sort of landed in the Pinterest and blogging space and then just started getting clients from there um, and grew a lot of my services from referrals. Um, So yeah, within the space of three months, I went from about three to 27 clients and 
I think it's just one of those things where I still look back and go, how did I even get here? But I'm so glad I'm here now because I couldn't really imagine doing anything else. Wow. <laughs> that is so amazing. Three to 27 clients that fast. Yeah. yeah. That is impressive. I'm sure you were just like, wait, how did this even happen? <laughs> oh, I'm still like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you guys call it uni over there? Yes. Yes, we do. That is so awesome. <laughs> University. That yeah. makes sense. It's I way cuter it. than college. It totally <laughs> is way more cute than college. Okay, so you're you're in uni. Yeah. What exactly were you going to uni for? And did you, like, when you were in school, did you learn these skills mm. and that you're able to use in your virtual assistant? Or was it something totally separate? Yeah, so it's actually for primary teaching, um, and I'm I'm actually still in university, so I'm in my last year, um, still studying. And while it's different, I think they kind of cross over quite a lot um, because teaching is a lot about understanding the person and being able to address that and help them where they are um, in particular content. And I think business is quite similar to that. Um, and, but I just think like being a business owner helps you be a better person as well. Like I've learned so many skills that I could cross over into teaching. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm currently studying and I do love it, but I also love business as well. I love that. So what, before you were doing this, what was Hmm. it that you were doing and how was the transition into finding yourself in this space because I feel like a lot of people are kind of looking at either starting an entrepreneurial type thing or they're in that transition phase and it's kind of hard for them to learn how to pivot I think pivoting is one of those things that you do have to learn over time so what were you doing before and then how has that transition been for you Mm, yeah so I um came straight out of school um And so I moved like states um, after school and then I went straight into uni. And for the first six months of uni, I was doing like just like after school care and nannying and that kind of stuff Um, and then transitioned into business owner. And I think the transition, like for me, it happened very quickly, um, but it's a really hard space. I think anytime you change season, whether it's career, whether it's family, whether it's place like whatever that looks like there's always a learning curve to it um but I think Mm -hmm. for me what really helped me transition was that number one I always wanted to learn I don't like I still don't know everything um and I think that's an important mindset to have because there's some like incredible educators in the space um so I just immersed myself in that and looked at connections looked at what other people were doing but then filtered that to go okay like how can I not just add noise to this business world but how can I serve through my strengths um in kind of effective ways do you feel like that's one of your biggest strengths is learning and then always adapting whatever it is that you are learning and putting that towards you know, working yourself and becoming a better business person? Yeah, I think it is. And um, like, it's definitely something I think people don't tell you about the amount of growth you have to do in business. And so for me, Mm -hmm. I constantly have to remind myself, like, I'm happy to learn here, but it's really hard sometimes, like, especially if you're facing a hard season in business or something like that. A lot of times I'm like, oh my gosh, I just wish I knew the answer. But I think it's kind of fun when you have this approach that like, okay, you know what? I don't know how to do this, but 
I can learn how to do it. So I think that's helped me overcome a lot of, you know, challenges that I might have faced. Yeah, I love that. I I mean, gosh, this was just getting on this with you. And guess what? Right now, you guys, I have my notifications going off on my messages and I don't know how to turn it off. <laughs> There's so many things that you have to do that's new. And seriously, I don't know how to turn the messages off on my computer right now. And guess what? That's just one of those things that you have to learn and you just have to learn like somehow I'm going to brush it off. I'm going to mm-hmm. get through this. Every and- time the notification goes off, we just look at each other and I'm like, <laughs> figure out how to turn it off. You, know, you sound like a popular like person. A Oh my gosh. Well, apparently I am. So I just signed out of my messages. So there we go. So we're going to pivot from that. (laughs) Well, all of that being said, Hannah, I just have to ask, what is the most challenging thing you've gone through as an entrepreneur and how did you overcome it? Yeah, I've... Look, when I saw this question, I was like, oh man, I could speak forever on this because there's been, I think what I originally thought was like, if I just get this amount of clients, all of my business problems will go away. I'll have the income, I'll have this and that. And I think that there's no such thing as like, you know, harder challenges. They're just different depending on what season. But for me, I think one of the things that's come up quite a lot and one that I have well, I guess struggled to overcome initially was actually a mindset thing around not feeling enough or not being enough, not doing enough. Um, And so for me, like mindset, I think as a business owner, that's our greatest asset, Um, but also for me can be my greatest weakness. So I guess what's helped me overcome it, and to be honest, I'm still overcoming it, (laughs) um, is to focus on like what I have. And I think it sounds so like, you know, cliche but it's actually so true like the more I focus on what I have instead of wishing for other strengths or other successes that people are having it's helped me stay grounded and move forward in where I am and the visions that I have um and I think another thing that I'm realizing is that if I like live on the praise of other people and the approval of other people, I crash just as hard if I don't succeed or if I get a negative email or something like that. So I think I've had to really learn how to ground myself in why I'm doing this, what my strengths are and not rely on what other people are saying about it. Um, But yeah, definitely a hard challenge and one I'm constantly attempting to overcome. <laughs> Are you an Enneagram 3? Yeah, I am. <laughs> Was it obvious? <laughs> I knew it. Oh my gosh. No, I'm like sitting here listening to you and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Because uh-huh. I'm an Enneagram 3 wing too. So yeah, I same. feel you on that. But I feel like, oh my gosh. But as entrepreneurs, I feel like that's just something that you do have mm. to realize because mm. if we put our worth on, you know, the few negative things that happen out of it, instead of taking it as a learning lesson and we put it as worth, because some of that we cannot accept because some of it just might not be true or people are coming out of, you know, just a bad spot or whatever it is. And some Mm -hmm. of it we do have to use as a learning lesson as to making ourselves better or maybe changing the way that something works so that we can just overall create a better customer experience, whether Mm -hmm. it's considered a customer with what you do. A client. Um, so I love that. And I'm, if you, 
I don't know. I'm like the, I tell people I'm the horoscope girl, but with the Enneagram, I love <laughs> Enneagrams because it really helps me to understand people. So when you were yeah. saying that, like I, I instantly went to, okay, I identify with that, that, that it just really helps me to understand people. So mm, yeah, <laughs> I just felt like you were a three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you guessed it right. <laughs> Okay, so what do you like to either listen to as a podcast when you're needing to take things in, or what do you read to help you in your business and self-development? Because I love hearing all the different resources that we have out there for entrepreneurs, because sometimes we get in a spot where we're like, for me, when I opened my salon suite space, I there was not a book that says how to become a salon suite owner. Mm. So for me, I had to get really crafty and where I was going to find my resources. So Mm -hmm. for you with being not only an entrepreneur, but with what you do in managing and helping people, uh, what have you been doing for that or self-development or whatever it is that you've been doing? Yeah, you're so right. There is so much out there, um, which I love. It's so cool to see. I think I... What I learned quite early on is I need to pick a few educators that I admire and am inspired by and go all in on the content they have um, because otherwise I would get quite overwhelmed. I think if you were to listen to like 10 different podcasts, you'd all of a sudden feel like you need email lists and be on a podcast and a blog and all those kind of things. So for me, I love Hayley Burkett. I don't know if you've heard of her, but um, I love her podcast. I I think what I love most about it is she just like gets straight to the point and just challenges my thinking all the time. Um, so I love that podcast. I love Ashlyn Wrights. I love her YouTube channel. Um, she like her whole motto is to work from a place of rest and not hustle. And I so resonate with that. So, um, I love that. And then I also, I don't know if you've heard of the book, thank you. Um, but I have read it like five million times. Um, and the reason I reread it is because they are like a product-based business. It's very different to what I do, but I like that because they really help me think outside the box. And so I think like as entrepreneurs, we can learn a lot from different industries. And so I kind of like that aspect of it as well. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I could go on for a while. There is so much out there, right? (laughs) (laughs) I agree with you. One of the things that I've had to do is, like you said, narrow down who I'm listening to because it's one thing to just listen and take in the information that you're getting, but it doesn't mean anything if you're not applying it, if you're not utilizing that. And there's someone that I really listen to a lot and that helps me with one of my businesses. And for me, being able to just hone in on that one specific thing for a moment. Mm -hmm. And I have just like a few of those people so that again, it's kind of like I have kids. So I always say I have one book that helps me with my kids. I'm not looking at all these different things because there's a lot of different opinions, different ways, but finding someone that you really connect with in that feels like your people that's super important to find that person that really speaks to you and that you just sit there and you're like you're my spirit animal you totally get me I think that's really 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 important and then applying that to it so I'm gonna Mm -hmm. I need to check out that book thank you because if you love it I'm like I need to check this out and see what this is all about yeah, those mm. are all really great recommendations. I'm like so excited. <laughs> yes, and I agree it. with that. Like, you do need to see, yeah, you do need to see how other people are doing their business in other industries because mm. if, especially if it's like a customer service or a product based business, it's good to know that. 
Okay, yeah. so with with everything that's going on in the world right now, like worldwide, everybody's feeling the effects of COVID-19. As a virtual worker, your job isn't directly affected, which is great for you, but all of these other people in the whole entire world have been affected. What was your initial emotion when you kind of found out about like quarantine and everything shutting down with all the things of COVID-19? Mm. I kind of had two reactions. The first was, I'm such an introvert. So I was like, oh, I love being at home, um, which is a highly insensitive reaction. But the second one was, I must admit, I freaked out. Um, and I think the reason for that was a lot of my clients are photographers. So while I am virtual, like I'm kind of that second line that gets impacted. So I'm now kind of starting to see the impact of it in this month and the following months. So I think that, yeah, initially I freaked out in saying that I think what I'm like, what I've seen with this is that everyone is affected, but the effect looks different for, you know, different kinds of people. For some, it's like, finally, I get to rest. Others, it's like, I've totally lost my income. Others is like, you, you know, really sick or dealing with death and all that. So I think it's a really sensitive issue. And so I sort of, had to really take time back to go like, how am I going to navigate this? Am I going to add my thoughts to it? Like, what are my thoughts to it? Um, so yeah, I think I've learned a lot in this season though, of just like, I think one of the biggest things is that like, for me, it requires a pivot. And I don't think pivoting is like just changing the vision of what you do or the goals that you have. It's just changing the strategy of how you're going to get there. So I think, you know, the initial reaction was fear, but the next reaction was like, well, I can't change this situation. So what am I going to do to, you know, not like con people or whatever, but how can I make the most of this season, whether it's just adding value somewhere or, you know, adding education, whatever that looks like. Um, I think that helped me go through it. And yeah, it's a really hard season and no one saw it coming. No one knows how long it's going to go for. So yeah, it's definitely interesting. One of the things that I, every time I talk to someone about COVID-19 is I sit here and I realize that it's global. It's not mm. just our area. It's not just our country. Mm -hmm. It is global and it's made a global impact. And seeing people pivot obviously is the reason why we decided to create self-made may because we've mm -hmm. seen people step out of their shell and not just do it in ways to serve themselves directly, but to serve other people. So you created an incredible event that's actually going on right now and ending tonight. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to reach out to you because you pivoted beautifully. And not only is this because I am a business person, I can see this is probably going to help you, but it was about you helping these other people and really celebrating these other people and finding this extra time that you have. And when you say that you have a lot of photographers as your clients, I totally hear that because for us as stylists, we're not allowed to be working in the salon right now. And if you work with people and you're, <laughs> you have to be like a forced extrovert. I say I'm an introvert extrovert, but <laughs> it really does, you know, it really does change our daily life. So I can see how mm. that definitely affects you, even though you are working virtually. Um, so tell us about the event that you did and what made you come up with this whole idea behind what you created? Yeah. So, um, 
it was kind of funny because we actually planned this event before COVID-19 hit. We planned it like November, December, and we planned it to launch during this time. And when it all came in, I was like, oh, like, you know, is this going to impact the event? Um, But it ended up impacting it quite in a positive way because everyone was at home and they wanted this education. So essentially what the event was, was um, an online summit. So if you've never heard of a summit before, essentially it's um, all different speakers coming together within their area of expertise and giving free education uh, in that space. And then you also have chances to like upgrade, to get premium resources and all of that kind of thing. So the whole, I guess, goal and heart of the event was to help hair and makeup artists to build, grow and sustain their business. So it was a three-day event. The first day was all about building. So the kind of like foundational aspects of a business and this was kind of targeted towards someone who maybe is quite new to the industry or just starting. So it was things like branding, budgeting, um, scheduling, all of that kind of thing. And then the second day was all about marketing. So growing your clientele. Um, and we just had experts around Instagram, YouTube, um, like Pinterest, referrals, so many different things. Um, and then the final day, which we're currently on right now, is all about scaling. So looking at like team management and um, client boundaries and getting revenue online, all of that kind of stuff. So that was a massive mouthful. <laughs> I mean, I had no idea that you had done that before. What, uh, you know what? I know that there's obviously people that right now is hard, but it just, you know, sometimes things work in funny ways where Mm. it is sometimes it's just, obviously I don't want to say that COVID-19 was meant to happen because I wish we could have not gone through this for Mm. all the different reasons, but what a beautiful thing that you were able to have this come out at this time and really Mm. serve the beauty community in such a powerful and impactful way. Because the reason why I saw it was because I am friends with some of the people that you had as speakers. And I saw this and I was like, this is so incredible. And then I saw that it was free. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is going to be completely free information for people. So the fact that it fell at this time, Mm. maybe, maybe wasn't intentional, but that's just so incredible. And how many other people that maybe wouldn't have been able to have the time because they are functioning in that stressful, you know, time period where maybe they aren't loving their job in the beauty industry, but they got to sit and hear from the people that you brought on and I, I mean, I just think about the impact that it could make and it is making. So I just, I'm like blown away. I think that is so, so incredible. Mm, yeah. Thank you. I think there's, um, you don't realize how powerful community is until you're in it. And so just like being in the Facebook group and seeing all these attendees saying like during this time, how it's inspired them and encouraged them and given them something to do, I think is really powerful. And it's, it's finding that balance between being sensitive to the issue that it is at hand because it's scary when you can't be working and, you know, you can't be working or being with your clients, but also like how can we be helpful in this time? And so it actually ended up, yeah, really great timing. I mean, I would, I would say so as a, as a salon owner myself, I'm like, you know what, all this information I've been really 
blown away by all of the resources out there and the free resources or like 20 bucks for something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So did you, here's my question. Did you already know these people? Cause you're in Australia. Mm -hmm. Most of these people, I mean, some of them just so happen to be in California or in the States Mm -hmm. and stuff. So did you know the speakers? And if you didn't know them, how did you approach them? Because collaborating, I feel like is one of those things that can be really, really intimidating. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to know how you put together this speaker list. Yeah, so um, I guess to answer the first part, I knew some of them, but not all of them. Um, and so it it was a different approach depending on the level of me knowing someone kind of thing. Um, so all of them I had heard of, but I think with a summit, you want to be really strategic in who you choose because they like essentially the summit rides on the value of the presentation. So I kind of made like a dream list of the ideal speakers that would be in the summit and then like essentially pitched to them and how it would benefit them. I think for the ones that I didn't know very well um, or hadn't heard of, I tried to find some common ground with them, whether it was from like a connection of someone else I knew or that kind of thing. But I think the key to collaboration, because it can be scary and intimidating um, and you're going to get no's, like it's just it's going to happen. It's either not a good fit or, you know, even when I'm looking for people to come on my podcast or something like that, I don't always get a yes. And so I think you've got to approach collaboration in that it's not the be all and end all if this person says no. Um, And then I think the second part to it is whenever you're wanting to collaborate, the key to it is being very them focused. So all about the benefit for them how it's going to help them, what it will do for them. It's not like, hey, um, you know, I want this and I'd love you to be part of this because and I think you'd be great here. And it's very much like, you know, I love watching you in this space. You're so great at this. This, um, you know, the attendees would benefit so much from what you do. Here's the benefits of being part of it, that kind of thing. Um, Even when I'm asked to collaborate with people, if they've come at it from an approach of, um, this is why it's going to help you or this is why I want you to be part of it. Um, and I can tell that they're not just doing it to <laughs> benefit themselves. Um, I think that's the real key to collaboration, but that was a huge answer. <laughs> no, I love it. I feel like um, with whenever people ask me about this, I just tell them you also need to make sure that you're bringing value and not just like taking mm. from that person. Totally. Yeah. 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 I love that though. You, it's like you knew what your listeners and all the people that would be watching needed. And then you also helped all the people that are going to be a part of it and showed them what they'd be gaining out of it. So Mm. everybody kind of wins in the, you know, summit in this whole situation. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. That's cool that you were able to present that to them and be like, Hey, we're all going to win out of this. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really sure how long it took you to prep all of this, but do you have any advice for the listeners on how you like walk us through how you prepped everything and how long did it take you and what were kind of some hard parts about prepping or some things that were easy that you didn't expect? Mm -hmm. So I had, um, 
run a summit last year as well. So I think it kind of helped that I already had a lot of templates and all of that kind of thing. Um, And if someone listening right now is interested in running a summit, I would definitely recommend going and checking out Krista from Summit in a Box because she teaches it so well because I think summits sometimes can have a bit of a bad rep because they're just sometimes can be like 15 sales pitches essentially so um you've got to be quite careful in how you do it but what it looks like for me um it takes around it took around like three to four months to do it so the first I guess stage is um identifying what the goals of the summit are and who the ideal speakers would be so in that phase I looked at I identified that the niche would be beauty bosses, um, identified what types of topics we needed, things like that. And then the second part, which you kind of do at the same time, is preparing the tech for it. So like a website landing page um, and how people are going to go through that funnel and pitching to speakers. Um, So that the pitching to speakers part is one of the most exciting parts, but also I find the most challenging parts if, you know, you don't get a yes every time or whatever that looks like. So that's the kind of second phase. And then once you've confirmed all your speakers, the third part is making sure the communication is really clear to speakers. So um, like in our summit, everything was pre-recorded. So it was giving them like a due date and they were going away and preparing their presentations. Meanwhile, I was preparing engagement content. So things like our um, email list that when people come in, the emails they're going to get, how they're going to get the links, all of that kind of logistics aspect. Um, and then the fourth part is actually going live with it. So we promoted for two weeks. Um, and I think that from the experiences I've had is a good amount of time because it gives people enough time to come into it, but it's not too long that you lose the hype. Um, and then after that, it's basically just doing it and going live and being present with attendees and speakers, keeping them updated um, and then looking at what the post-summit part will be like as far as if you're going to archive a Facebook group or what, you know, what the logistics will be. Um so yeah, that essentially is kind of how you do it. It's it's a lot of fun. It's also a bit like quite a lot of work if you don't have the templates or the method and that kind of thing. Um, but it yeah, it's one of the best things I've done for my business, I think. How was it the first time that you ever did the first summit? Were you like breaking out before it, mm-hmm. everything went live? Because I feel like I would be absolutely losing yeah. my mind. Yes. Oh my gosh. I was so nervous. And I think the hardest part of it was I just didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how many people would sign up. I didn't know what that would actually look like. Um, and it was made easier because I did purchase that product from Krista that I was talking about earlier, where she had done it before and had Like she does it for graphic designers, um, but then teaches her method. So a lot of the like initial fear, confusion was taken out of it because originally I didn't even know what a summit was. Um, But then after, I think the first time, like we got about a thousand attendees and like in that I learned a lot. There were some things I did well and some things I didn't do well. So then this time around, I think the fear was like, will it be 
successful like last time or what you know what problems can I not see coming and all of that kind of thing so yeah it's definitely scary I think it's like a huge adrenaline rush when you do a summit because there is so much to manage and so much to think about but then you do see such a return in such a like short amount of time so there are definitely pros and cons but overall I do love them. You must have slept so well after the summit was over. Oh it's my kind of like um, <laughs> when somebody gets married, I used to have a bridal business and I'd always tell the bride, like, you're going to sleep so well the night yeah. of your wedding because all that stress <laughs> is just done. <laughs> so true. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay. So we're going to kind of pivot into one of the things that you do with like helping people with business burnout. So you, mm. you really love to help people just kind of fill in that space where you can help them. And I know that you spoke on some of the steps to improving your business systems outside of the beauty summit in that beautiful, amazing thing that you created. Um, so I want to know for those out there that say, I'm not a systems person because I hear this from some of the people that I work with in business. And it's kind of one of those things where people have to learn what a system is and how it can help you. So can you explain why this is such an important thing to have in place for your business? Yeah, I, for sure. And I think like, especially in the creative industry, what I've experienced and seen is that people love flexibility or think like maybe it, I'm too creative to have systems or something like that, or they're just too complicated. I'm going to, you know, just go along with it. Um, one of the biggest things I tell like my audience and just anyone that asks is that the biggest thing I can encourage when I can give you is the fact that structure actually like structure systems allows you to be flexible. Um, and the reason I say that is because if you have the systems in place to, for example, um, your workflow to posting social media or whatever that looks like for you, if it's in a system and a system doesn't have to be complicated, it can literally be a Google Docs writing out the exact steps you do and having the templates there because that will save you a lot of time on the back end. Um, but getting back to the flexibility part, if you know the systems in your business for when you're going to do things and what the process looks like and all of that kind of thing, it allows you to be flexible because if you're sick one day, you're not then going oh no, I don't even know what I'm missing out on. I feel overwhelmed. I'm trying to do all of these things. I have a to-do list that never ends. All of that aspect of it, I'm or like you're constantly switching between different tasks, all of that kind of thing will then add to the burnout and add to the overwhelm. But if you can go like, this was what I was meant to do today. I'm sick. So now what I'm going to do is I know exactly what needs to be rescheduled and done for when I'm well again or to hand off to a team member or whatever that looks like in your own context. So I think that has been the biggest thing. And every time that you switch between a context, so for example, if you are, I keep using social media, but if you are writing a social media, like an Instagram caption, and then you see an email come through and then you go over to that and respond to that or you have an idea and then you just switch and work to that. What you're doing is every single time you switch, you lose productivity. So then when you've switched to that different cons 
context, you're working at a lower productivity rate. And so the more and more you do that throughout the day, you've switched between all of these things, but your to-do list hasn't been done. And maybe you feel like it's been unproductive um, and you are still feeling overwhelmed. So I could speak forever about this, but I think the biggest thing is that um, don't be scared or don't overcomplicate the process of creating a system. It does not have to be technical. It does not have to be like extreme. I mean, it can be, but if you're just starting, literally just write out your workflow for what that looks like, because in the long run, you'll see how much time that saves you and how much more freedom you'll be able to have in your business and um, I think the more we do business in our brain, the less effective it is. So if we can find a tool or just use paper, um, then that will save you a lot of headspace, a lot of headaches and a lot of time. Well, I know that you just helped Katie and I because we do time blocking, <laughs> but understanding to like work on like a task at a time. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. Makes so much sense. And I feel like we're like, okay, well, there we go. Light bulb. We're going to add that into what we're, what we're not doing currently. But I remember listening to a business guru who had like built an empire and they said, if your business can't run for a week without you, then you need to realize that you're not running a business. You're running like a one man show mm-hmm. and the, the type of like income that you're bringing in. And obviously sometimes it's not doable because as a hairstylist, I can't like walk out and still make money behind the chair, yeah. but learning that sis- having systems in place can save you so much time. And mm-hmm. in reality, time is money. So mm-hmm. having systems in place, I am a systems person, but I feel like it's something that I'm working on heavily. So I love what you just shared. I mean, that's going to be really helpful. I I feel especially for creatives because creatives don't know how to stay on one task Mm. very well. And (laughs) And with that context switching, a tip that I would suggest, I guess, to add on to it is, um, you have your to-do list for the day of everything you need to get done. And then there's something which is called a parking lot list. And you just have a piece of paper by your side as you're working so that every time you have that thought of, oh, I had to get that done or, oh, that email came through, I need to respond or, oh, I need to send that person a message or I need to order my food tonight. I don't know, whatever it is, write it on the list. And then once you've finished your to-do list for the day, you then go to that parking lot list and your job is to be able to chuck that piece of paper in the bin. So whether it's like, and it literally takes half an hour a day. So whether it's quickly responding to those emails or something like that, or rescheduling those bigger tasks to later on in the week or, you know, in the month, um, I found that personally really helpful because then it's, you're not like trying to remember it in your brain, but it's like, it's there, you've honored it, you've noticed it, but then you're going to keep working on what you've set out to do. Hannah, I think I'm obsessed with you. (laughs) (laughs) Katie's obsessed. You just talked to the to-do list person. Like if you could see our faces right now, we are nodding our heads, like holding our hands in the air, just praising everything you're saying right now, because honestly, not only are our listeners stoked that you're telling everything that you're you're saying, everything that you're saying, but we are because this is such a crucial thing as entrepreneurs. And it is so hard to navigate, especially for those that are so fresh into being their own bosses and having their own business and trying to step into that boss babe space. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that you just laid out 
that there's two different types of to-do lists. You've got your parking lot list and you've got your main list and how to not get distracted and how to stay productive. I'm picking up everything that you're putting down and I'm sure everybody else listening right now is as well. You're incredible. And that is genius. Mm, I I thought I liked to-do lists, but now I just like them even more. (laughs) Yeah. And like, for me, I find what's crazy is like, I was more overwhelmed with three clients than I was with 27 clients. And I put the major part of that down to context switching. And so as soon as I implemented those two different types of lists, it really changed the game because it helps you to focus without the overwhelm or the fear that you're missing something else or you're not doing something right. I couldn't agree more. And mm. I think that you are the queen of road mapping this out. And that's going to lead right <laughs> into our next, our next question for you. And our next category is you have this free roadmap to create a productive schedule and you have a ton of a like other available resources for everybody listening right now. And you've hosted this amazing summit. And by the time everybody's listening to this episode, the summit's going to be over. But we'd love for you to just kind of shout yourself out and share with us, where can our listeners go? Where can they find out more about you? What are all the deets about Hannah? Mm-hmm. Um, so I do love to hang out on Instagram um, at with Hannah Murphy, but I have a podcast called Taking Action and that's where I kind of share a lot of the snippets um, of like practical tips. But the best place to go is I have a like live workshop that at the time of this recording going live, it will be live um, and you can find it at withhannamurphy.com slash free. Um, And I go through like the biggest myths that I see around productivity and that space and then how to actually overcome them. So the actual workshop is called how to transition to a profit focused schedule without unnecessary task switching late nights and long to-do lists. So um, yeah, I'd love people to hang out with me there. You're amazing. Thank you're so you're going to see our emails pop up in your, your <laughs> I love it. Oh, and you know, hearing, hearing just you talking passionately about like helping people with burnout and helping people be more productive with their business. That's like a breath of fresh air to me because Mm -hmm. as a person that is running my own multiple businesses, I joke that I have like all these hats that I wear, but as an Enneagram three, I know it's not, I don't want to be busy. I want to Mm -hmm. be like successful, but also have the time where I'm creating an income creating the dream life that I want, but also having time freedom. Like I'm not working Mm. my butt off to have all my time taken up and be work my focus. Mm -hmm. I'm having work serve me in a way that I'm able to serve the community. And I'm also able to like have that family time. So I love what you're doing and everything that, that you just kind of encompass. So I'm so excited for our listeners to be able to hop on and get to know you better and check out your podcast and all the ways that you have to help them out. So we're going to end on our last question, which is actually the question that we're going to be asking all of the guests on our podcast. And that is, what does the word dreampreneur mean to you? Uh, first off, love the question. Um, so for me, it means someone that 
actually is going to take action on the dreams of their heart and follow them, chase after them wholeheartedly. Because I think it's one thing to be an entrepreneur, but it's another thing to be a passionate entrepreneur. And that's where the dream side of it comes in because it's not just like in the mundane day-to-day tasks, like, you know, day-to-day tasks, which are super important and it's being in there, but also not stuck in there that you're looking forward to the bigger picture and the bigger goals. We couldn't agree with you more, Hannah. That is the best answer. Thank you so much for coming on the show and being our very first interview that we've ever had ever. You are amazing and you're such a light and we couldn't we couldn't be more grateful to have you. And you're shining all the way from Australia over to here to the States so much. And the beaches you're... of California. <laughs> we just we just got to make a little bridge so we can go back and forth super easy. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in to the first couple of episodes. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a five-star review letting us know what you loved. And if something spoke to you, screenshot this episode and share it on the gram tagging at the Dreampreneur Podcast. That way we can see what speaks to you in order to serve this community and give back in the ways you need it most. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye.